The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast. Been a while and uh, happy to have you back. Brought to you as always by Yazoo Brew. Some of my favorite, very favorite stuff, especially the half of ice and people tell you it's a summer beer. I say it's a year round deal, but they've got something for everybody. I've long appreciated their support. I hope it translates into your support. Delicious Nashville made stuff appropriate for any and every occasion. Get yourself a six pack, order yourself up a six packs worth next time you're out and drinking responsibly with a designated driver. Of course, training camp underway. And uh, we have gone through now the first Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, talking to you Monday afternoon and they are off on Tuesday, not back on the field until Wednesday. Um, So I just want to talk through some of my observations from the beginning through now, kind of get a conversation started where you could come back to me with some questions off of these things um, that seem to me to be uh, not necessarily primary topics, uh, some of them primary topics, some of them, secondary topics, but things that I've noticed that I think are uh, of interest. So we start at the top with Marcus Mariota, who I've uh, I've been pretty impressed with. Uh, <clears throat> before things got rolling, we asked uh, Mike Vrabel what he wanted to see from Mariota as camp started, and he said he wanted to see uh, uh, aggressive but not reckless and uh, a guy taking command. And, and I really think that Mariota has taken command. Um, you know, these have been balanced practices with the offense and the defense taking turns winning. I talked to Cameron Wake really about, uh, that in the, in the very red zone heavy Saturday practice, which I thought was smartly conducted, um, in that it hit a point of emphasis, a real point of emphasis for the offense, which needs to be better down there, but was also constructed to be red zone heavy because, um, it reduces asking guys to run a long way and helps ease guys in to uh, get them acclimated to practice by not asking them to run 30, 40, 50 yards at a time. So it's got suddenness and it's got cuts and it's got all of that stuff, but it's not asking guys to give Vrabel and the coaching staff that kind of length with the long runs. So it seems smart. And Cameron Wake was saying, you know, uh, there was some good stuff by the offense and there was good stuff by the defense. And if that's not the case, then you've got issues. That's how it should be. And uh, you could take what he said about that and open that up more broadly. That's what a good football team should look like in all respects. There should be some good offense and some good defense. Otherwise, you've got issues. So I'm not suggesting that Marcus Mariota has in any way been um, perfect. Uh, He has not. But I think he he it feels to me like he's been in command. Uh, I don't feel uh, the shakiness. I don't feel like there have been extended stretches where um, he's looked bad. Um, <clears throat> I do think sometimes in seven on seven, which is a very pass friendly drill where he's got five targets running routes in one on ones that there should always be somebody open. Uh, There are times at which I don't understand how he can't find somebody. Uh, But on the midday 180 on um, Monday, 
I had a chance to ask Arthur Smith about that. And he said, yeah, you know, I could see how that might look frustrating, but you know, he can always settle for a check down there, but it doesn't necessarily serve you well in the big picture. Um, uh, because if he's, he's settling for a check down there, then he's settling for a check down in the game. And then you're in third and 10 and you haven't really accomplished anything, which seemed like a very reasonable answer to me on that. And so they're trying to push it a little bit more and, uh, he's trying to look for something more there. Um, and so that's a good thing. That's, uh, you know, aggressive, but not reckless, which is what they're talking about. I tweeted out a picture. <clears throat> I certainly put it on Instagram if I didn't tweet it of Mariota um, with the wide base that we talked so much about last year where he's straddling a pad that makes him stand wide um, while he's in the throwing motion and he's wearing tights uh, with his red jersey and you can see that his legs look particularly thick and that seems to me to be where much uh, of the 10 to 12 pounds that he's put on from last year is he said he's 225 to 230, which I wrote about in the off season when I finally uh, <clears throat> discovered just how much weight he had put on. It looks to me like a lot of that weight is from the waist down. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but certainly um, Mike Vrabel and the team wanted him to put on weight to try to make it uh, easier for him to sustain some of the hits. Um, and it's apparent that uh, a decent percentage of that weight is in the lower half. Um, and we'll see how much that helps him. He doesn't look any slower by any means, any less graceful, but I think, um, you know, it's noticeable. Um, and David Reed, producer of the Midday 180, thought it was noticeable when he was on stage in a suit Mariota, not Reed, on stage in a suit at the draft that his suit pants, Mariota's suit pants, looked tight when he was um, introducing someone or something at uh, at the draft on stage on Broadway and 2nd Avenue, um, on Broadway and 1st Avenue during the draft. So uh, just an observation there on Marcus. We'll move around a little bit. Um, Anthony Ferkser was a very good pass catcher for Marcus Mariota and anyone who was throwing last year. It's funny. We actually uh, standing with Mickey Ryan at a practice this weekend um, at the goal line. <clears throat> I think it was a red zone drill and Ferkser actually uh, reached out diving at the pylon right in front of us, caught a ball and dropped it at the pylon. <laughs> we thought it was the first drop by Ferkser that we could remember. Um, he's got a wide receiver background and he's a, a very good receiver um, and not as good of a blocker. And so Mike Vrabel is talking this weekend about trying to build him as a blocker to uh, round out his game. We don't know how much of that he's going to be able to do. Uh, I think he'll work like crazy at it to uh, round out his game. I'm kind of fascinated by that blocking tight end position, right? Where Luke Stocker got an awful lot of time last season. But I think we tend to forget that the reason that Luke Stocker, who's now with the Falcons, played so much in that role is because Johnny Smith very quickly was playing Delaney Walker's role because Delaney Walker was hurt very badly in the first game and out of the picture. And so I keep looking, David Flewellen, is going to get some H-back, F-back time. 
because they love David Flewellen and they're looking for additional ways to get him on the field. Though I think he's still, uh, you know, very much the number three running back first and foremost. Michael Pruitt, uh, you know, is going to get time. He's not a very good pass catcher, not very effective with the ball in his hands. I thought Ryan Hewitt was a good pickup um, in that role uh, after OTAs and minicamp ended. I thought partly because Michael Pruitt didn't look that great. Um, but what we're forgetting here while Delaney Walker is back is that Johnny Smith is yet to come back from his ACL tear through July would be about eight months, which is frequently the, the timetable for a return. And once Johnny Smith is back, he would very much be the second tight end behind Delaney Walker. And behind Delaney Walker, that second tight end would be that Luke Stocker role from last year when, you know, Johnny Smith should be way better at that role than Luke Stocker was. Um, and so then a Hewitt, a Flewellen, a Pruitt would be, you know, the second guy in that blocking role behind Johnny Smith. Uh, Ferks are, you know, an additional pass catcher who could block some of that time. So they've got some options there, but what you want first and foremost is a Johnny Smith to be healthy. He was running on Monday on the side along with Jarrell Casey and um, Simmons. Uh, Simmons and Johnny both wearing braces. Jarrell Casey uh, is not coming off an ACL as far as we know, looking uh, the best and the closest to a comeback. And both Casey and um, Simmons working on their, their get-off, uh, pushing up against Rabel after the three of those injured players, two on PUP, Simmons on NFI, um, doing some straight-line running on the side field um, as practice was getting underway. So we have uh, Casey and Smith. Uh, we have their return to look forward to still zero sign of Ryan suck up on the field during any Titans practice work, though I've been told that they are confident he will be back in time for the season opener, the regular season opener against Cleveland um, on September 8th. Um, and they certainly need him to be ready and kicking. Um, Deion Lewis has been another guy that has been hard to gauge up to this point because Derrick Henry fell out so quickly on the first day, didn't even make it through the individual period of just the running back drills. And to me, Deion Lewis's game is completely relying on Derrick Henry's game, right? Deion Lewis, unlike last year when Derrick Henry was not going well, and the Titans turned to Deion Lewis too much as the feature back, and he was not good as the feature back, <clears throat> but they went that direction because De Derrick Henry was, was doing so poorly. Now, I think, based on the last four games of last season, they're counting on Derrick Henry to uh, play like he did in the last four or five games of last season, and once he's back. And if Henry could play anything like that as the lead back, then Deion Lewis is positioned for what he really needs to be, which is a change of pace back. And the pace he's changing up off of is Derrick Henry. 
Well, when Derrick Henry's not around, Deion Lewis can't be what Deion Lewis needs to be, that change of pace back. And so he's very hard to get a read on early um, because he's not changing pace from anybody. He's working again as the lead back. One guy people are curious about, Alex Barnes, um, one of the top um, undrafted rookie free agents, right? Alex Barnes, um, I, I have done very poorly getting uh, rookie bonuses. I presume he did all right. He's from Kansas State. I watched one run that, um, look, I don't want to judge a guy on one thing. He made kind of a jump cut and then shuffled out of the jump cut and then took off. And uh, he's a relatively big man. It's six feet, 226 pounds slow my initial review barnes slow does not look like a guy who's going to force the titans to keep a fourth back um, if somebody's going to force them to keep a fourth back i would look elsewhere uh, based off my initial read of alec barnes those are my running back thoughts logan ryan i wrote about um and uh he he's looked great um we think so much about the nickel corner in coverage but his ability to blitz the quarterback and i think he was fifth on the team with four sacks last year is excellent his run defense is really good and it makes him these two elements of his game as a pass rusher and a run defender Make him valuable beyond a, a cornerback. I hope you'll go look at that piece, but um, he looks really good. He looks really good on the weekend when he wears yellow shoes so that his daughter can uh, spot him and recognize him. And I like any player that wears uh, distinctive clothing. Kevin Byard often has a red shirt uh, and maybe red shoes, but a red shirt that sticks out from underneath his uniform, and that helps you immediately identify him though he's a immediately identifiable guy sometimes anyway. Keith Bullock always wore those red gloves. Logan Ryan in games usually wears gloves that match the color of the opponent's uniforms because his hands then blend in with, uh, with those jerseys. I love stuff that stands out and helps you identify a guy more quickly like that. Logan Ryan's uh, a year away from an expiring contract. He played really, really well last year. He missed the last couple of games after he got hurt. He is fully rehabbed, and uh, he's going to be a huge member of this defense again. Cameron Batson. Uh, I had my doubts about Cameron Batson, but he made some significant contributions last year. I think the, the receiving roster, we've said this a lot and gotten burned in the past, looks like the cuts at the end of the receiving roster are going to be really tough. I think Tajay Sharp is there. Um, I think Taewon Taylor is there. I think Cam Batson and uh, Darius Jennings are going to be slugging it out. I think Darius Jennings' kick return value is, is big. Cam Batson, you know, was a, a guy they put in the slot some last year and got some production out of. He's probably not going to get much time there because of Adam Humphreys. But – He's a unique guy on this team. He's got a different kind of uh, speed than Adam Humphreys. If he's the odd man out, Titans really kind of lose 
a facet that nobody else on this roster has. And I wonder if they wouldn't look for some kind of way to keep them on the final 53. Um, final 53, which really amounts to a final 55 because Simmons is there. It doesn't count for a roster spot because Luan is there and won't count for a roster spot. Uh, is there a way they could keep bats and at least through cuts around the league uh, when teams make their decision and then you keep them for a while? Uh, you have to keep them, I guess, four weeks there before you could try to slide them on your own practice squad, but uh, you hold on to a value. Or maybe he's worth, you know, at least a seventh rounder to somebody and you start to, to gather, uh, you know, a few more draft uh, resources. But uh, I think he's looked pretty good. He's played a lot more than I expected, but that also is in part because A.J. Brown has been out since that, that slippery step um, early on the first day during drills. Uh, we flipped back to defense. Sharif Finch has played a lot with the first team. Um, a lot of questions about him. Part of that, Cameron Wake, maybe a third down guy right out of the gate. Cameron Wake not playing a ton of reps like some of the older veterans are not going to do in um, in training camp. Roger Saffold hasn't played a ton like that. Some other older guys haven't played a ton like that. No beef there, uh, but that creates some opportunity. And Sharif Finch has been on the field a lot. It's funny. Uh, he's gotten praise from Mike Vrabel, uh, who said, you know, we fought through a lot of stuff in, in the offseason. In the offseason, when you asked about Finch, you wore a yellow jersey for a lot of it. Variable didn't have much to say about Finch. He said, hey, he's hurt. He's a hurt guy. You know, how much can I say? I haven't seen him. I think Rashawn Evans looks very central to everything the Titans are doing. He's in a uh, – the day I watched uh, Variable all over the field um, attract the coach who moves around a ton and involves himself in a ton of stuff when the Titans aren't in a team period. And uh, one of the guys he ended up talking to the most was Rashawn Evans, which I don't think is any kind of accident. And um, I, I just find him to be uh, central with or without those conversations. And an inside linebacker, a middle linebacker type should be central. I think Rashawn Evans is very central to the things the Titans are doing now. He looks natural and comfortable. And I think um, – you know, I would be feeling pretty good about where he is right now if I was a fan of this football team. Ty Smith, uh, you know, who's down the depth chart as a cornerback on this team, I think continues to look like a really good piece of depth. Um, Jonathan Hutton points out he's a guy that tends to look better with the pads on. Uh, he adds a, a bit of physicality in that secondary down the depth chart and uh i think he's been pretty good so far too i i uh i like him and i, I think they like him and i don't see how they couldn't like him um and one thought on uh harold landry who uh you know has definitely added some heft and uh certainly has worked on moves that take him beyond his uh his, his bend and his lean, which is, is what got him to the league and which is um, his number one thing. And I've said on the Midday 180, I think, you know, there, there's, there's 
big expectation on Harold Landry based on maybe less than most of the guys who are, are prompting a lot of big expectation for the Titans. Uh, you know, there's reason to expect a lot from Harold Landry, but we haven't seen a lot because once he got uh, shut down with his primary move, he was relatively quiet. Now he's had an offseason to work beyond that first move. Uh, he's gotten heavier. He's worked with his own um, strength coach from Boston College, Frank Perino, who uh, is now the Titans strength coach. Uh, and there's a lot of promise there, so we'll see. I've watched him in coverage a little bit, and I thought, you know, while I didn't think he looked spectacularly comfortable, I didn't think he looked spectacularly out of place either. And he's not a guy you're going to ask to drop into coverage on some regular basis, but he's going to have to be able to do it some in the Titans 3-4. Um, and so that's something to keep an eye on. And, and Mike Vrabel was talking about, you know, there are moving parts that changed the number two into the number three and the number three into the number two in terms of, of what somebody like Landry's looking at while he determines uh, coverage responsibilities and that that will come easier uh, more and more easily to him. Um, and so uh, that's something to keep an eye on, but I think, uh, I think it's something he's, he's completely capable of, uh, of getting better at. Finally, I wanted to do address some donut accusations that uh, were flying. I don't know if this made the air for the Titans uh, periscope um, at Mike Frabel's um, press conference on Monday or not. Uh, so maybe I'm selling myself out here, but uh, I'll take that risk because I, I fear that maybe some of this made it public. There were in fact, three boxes of Dunkin' Donuts that I think were outside, maybe for some sponsors or the like, um, at Sunday's practice that wound up inside the lobby. Um, and I saw them inside the lobby downstairs, which is not media. We have no claim to that whatsoever. But I saw that there were three boxes of donuts there and the media liked donuts. And as the media leader that I am, I, uh, I put in a request because I suspected these donuts were going to go to waste. Um, and the first person I asked said it also was not, uh, they were not his donuts to give. But I asked again, uh, a second person who said, have at it. And then when I was going to get the donuts myself, someone, an employee who was eating one of the donuts and he and another employee were, were leaving the donuts. I said, I've been granted permission to take these donuts to the media. What do you guys think? And they also said, have at it. So I was not once cleared, but twice cleared to take these boxes of donuts upstairs and to provide to my media brethren some donuts. We were grateful for the donuts, though some of the media were not grateful enough because they were complaining about that the donuts might be, you know, a little bit stale. Now, I have no shame when it comes to stale donuts. I was craving some sweets, and there, behold, there were some sweets. Um, but I wasn't complaining about them at all. I ate two delicious donuts, and a stale donut is the next best thing to a fresh donut. 
But it came to my attention that then uh, at a press conference that I was not at on Monday because I was back on the radio, that it was brought up that perhaps these donuts were taken and a reminder was offered to the media that these things in the lobby were not for the media to take. And uh, somebody had my back that I, it was, uh, I was accused of taking the donuts and somebody then said that I had in fact been granted permission to take the donuts. So lest there be any confusion or any lingering suggestion that I took these donuts without proper clearance, I just want to make it clear to you, my fine listeners, and to Yazoo, my fine sponsors, and I would have loved to have had beers to wash down these donuts with, that all proper procedures and protocols were followed in the uh, securing of these donuts. And quite frankly, while I secured these donuts on Sunday, I made it clear that the next person in the media chain, unnamed, was to provide the sweets for the media room the next day. And alas, the next day, this could have been Saturday that we got the donuts. I'm not sure. But the next day, were there sweets provided by anyone for the media? No. No, there were no sweets provided for the media. Once again, an example of my leadership in the room and the failures of others to provide what is necessary for the ladies and gentlemen of the press to make it through hot summer days watching football and bringing to you the news and analysis that you need. I appreciate you listening to the Paul Kuharski podcast. I appreciate Yazoo for their sponsorship of this fine broadcast and their loyalty to the cause. Uh, this is a freebie for everybody. You should be listening to these, watching Periscope and Facebook Lives. You can get the, the members-only ones, which are the best ones, and everything I write at paulkuharski.com for the low cost of $5.99 a month. Um, or you can get 12 months for the price of 11 months by signing up. You're not going to get better content. You're not going to get more unique content. And you're missing out. So if you claim to be a big fan, you got to put your money where your mouth is and back it up. Go buy a six-pack of Yazoo. Sit down. Get out your credit card. Sign up. It's the price of a fancy cocktail or fancy coffee. And you'll never miss it fact you'll thank your lucky stars every time you sit down in the morning to read your titans content thanks for listening we'll be back soon with another edition of the paulkuharski.com podcast also check out my new podcast for 104.5 the zone called elsewhere which is not about the titans or about anything i talk about on midday one else at 180 it's about stuff elsewhere check it out thanks the Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Now.